0: We'll take your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, a message today entitled, Give It All to Jesus, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Years ago, a man named Phil Johnson wrote a song, and I'm talking 30, 30, 35 years ago, wrote a song that took the church community by storm took Christendom by storm I happened to know Phil at that time uh, after he was after he was well known I come to know him and I know that he was shocked at how this song spread and its popularity here are the lyrics are you tired of chasing pretty rainbows are you tired of spinning round and round Rapper Paul the shattered dreams of your life and at the feet of Jesus lay them down second verse expanded that He never promised there'd always be sunshine, and he never promised there'd be no more rain. He only promised a heart full of singing about the very things that once brought pain. And the chorus really brought it together when it said, Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, broken toys. Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus, and he will turn your sorrows into joy. I'll tell you, I love that song so much that when I did my first recording project back in, 1980. That was one of the first cuts that we put on that we put on the record. You see, Phil was writing those lyrics. Are you listening? To try to get us to bring all of our issues, all of our drunk, junk, all of our trials, all of our hurt, all of our pain, and give it to the one that could do some something about it. He wanted us to bring it to Jesus, just kind of in total surrender and folks do you realize that's what salvation is that you bring your life to jesus in total surrender and when you lay it at his feet the blood that he shed on calvary's cross for your sins for your hurts for your pains for your struggles and for mine that blood will take care of all the difficulty that we face but you know the truth is you come and you surrender if you're going to be saved did you hear that Americans, you surrender if you're going to be saved. And I just have to tell you, an old gray haired preacher preaching a message of surrender in America, this countercultural message is difficult at best. Because we're the people, we have it our way. You deserve a break today. You deserve all that you can get. You, have, you, have you listened to television, some of the verbiage? We're going to give you what you deserve. Bless God, I didn't get what I deserved, Kathy. You know, m- mercy is not God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is, us, is God giving us what we don't deserve. That is forgiveness. That is salvation. That is a home in heaven. That is abundant life on earth. That is a life free from, um, from insecurity. Give it all to Jesus. That's our starting point. That's where we begin even today. But there is another dimension in this thing of giving it all to Jesus. It's one that's kind of burning deep in my heart, particularly today in the aftermath of Southern Baptist Convention, some of the things I heard in the aftermath of some of the things going on in this country. This burns in my heart. You know, today we say... In the aftermath of the Supreme Court rulings, not just one, but a bunch of them, we say, well, the church is being persecuted today. I beg to differ. Now, it is true our beliefs are challenged. It is even true our freedoms are somewhat suspect. But we've not received, you and I have not received persecution. Now, if you look up in the Northwest, there are some people in this country that have already been Persecuted, Melissa and Aaron Klein up in the Northwest, that sweet cakes by Melissa, they have now lost their business because they refused to serve at a same-sex marriage. Not only have they lost their business, but now they have been fined $135,000. in this country... And they've been told to keep their mouth shut as to why they wouldn't serve them. The judge has put a gag order on them. Do you know what that means for us Americans? That means we have no more First Amendment rights. (laughs) Most basic of all human rights is slipping away. But even the persecution that they have felt now compares nothing to the persecuted church worldwide. Did you realize, you know, most of us in America, we kind of have, are you listening teenagers? Most of us have our heads in the sand. Did you realize that last year 150,000 people died on the planet, left planet Earth for no other reason than because they would not denounce Jesus Christ? I mean, we watched 21 of them on the Internet. Here's what I want to say to you. Here's what I'm trying to bring to you. These are our brothers and sisters. This is the church of the living Christ. If you've received Jesus as your personal Savior, if He's become the Lord of your life, you're in the family. And we're a part of their family. And as a part of their family, here's two, two salient truths that come and burn deeply in me. First of all, if you knew... That one of your blood brothers, sisters here in this country, in this town, were about to be abused, to what end would you go to make sure they weren't going to be persecuted and abused? The second truth that I think needs to burn deep in our heart. Now, are you listening? The call to follow Christ. It's not a call to convenience and comfort and pleasure. The call to follow Christ is the call to die. And we don't know much about that in America, but we may be about to find out about it. It is a call to give your... Isn't it something? Jesus died for us. And now He calls us to die. Brother Jerry, I don't think... I don't think that's right. I don't think I like that. Whether you like it or not, irrelevant, because I don't get a voice. You don't get a voice. He's already said it. This is how he said it. He said, if anyone will come after me, if anyone will come with me, if anyone wants to be mine, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross. That's an instrument of death. And follow me. Now, I'm just going to tell you, candidly, many people who sit where you're sitting today didn't sign up for that. We got told the benefits of being a church member. We got told the benefits of being baptized. We got told the benefits of the church. And I just want to say this to you. There are many benefits to following Christ, but make no mistake. The call to follow Christ is the call to die and the history of Christianity is written in the blood of Christians. Christ's followers. Now it is against that backdrop, it is against that backdrop that we come to Second Timothy. Particularly Second Timothy chapter four. For you see, Second Timothy is, is the last recorded words of the Apostle Paul. He was quite likely in Mamertine prison in his second imprisonment. And he was in prison for no other reason than for his faith in Christ and for preaching Christ. And he's thinking about this little preacher boy, Timothy. The last three letters, he wrote Timothy, his first letter. Then he wrote Titus. And then his last words on this earth were second Timothy. When I read this letter, this particular letter that we call a book in the Bible, I am sobered at Paul, what he was facing. So now we're in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, so you're reading not only the last letter, but we're reading, we're reading the last words of the last letter. If you will, to honor what we know to be the Word of God, let's stand together if you possibly can, as we read these three verses. Paul writes this to this young preacher, and he says, Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure, that would be death, has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Father, I pray that for the next few minutes, I pray that you will take your word and impress our hearts in ways like you've never impressed it before. Ask for you to fill our hearts today, and now we pray for you to break our hearts. Reveal to us who we are. Reveal to us who you want us to be. Convict us where we've fallen short of your perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. When you read the scripture I just read, The most common place people want to jump off and start talking about and questioning is in verse 8. Everybody wants to talk about that crown of righteousness. And without a doubt, they'll say, Brother Jerry, crown of righteousness. Which crown is that? You know, the New Testament talks about five crowns. And everybody's worried about the crown. What crown am I going to get? But here's what I'm going to tell you as I read that. Paul... Said The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me. He is not nearly as worried about the crown as he is the crown bearer. This is the one who arrested his soul on the the road to Damascus. The one that knocked him off his horse and on the ground and saved his soul. The one who spoke to him, made him blind, made him able to see. The one who protected him. He wanted to see Jesus, the one who saved his soul. So we miss it that way. The second thing when I look at this text that people want to talk about is everybody likes to talk about verse 7. You know why? Because verse 7 is what we want done at our funeral. I have fought the good, I have fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. I just want to say this to you confessionally. I stood behind this pulpit either as a worship leader, not particularly this pulpit, but I stood behind the pulpit over 40 years, either as a worship leader, minister of music, or as a pastor. And when I see my life in light of Paul, I'm not sure that somebody could stand at my memorial service and say, he fought a good fight. I'm not sure somebody could say that. In light of just the faith of Paul, I'm not sure that they could say with a clear conscience, he's he is Kept the faith. Probably the only thing they could say is, man, he's finished the race. Because when I look at my life in light of the Apostle Paul moving and going and trying to do and be the things that I've done, doesn't measure up to all the things that he endured for the cause of Christ. How about you? But it's verse six I want us to center on for the next few minutes. I want us to kind of dig out I'll just tell you men who went to the gridiron conference David youth preached a message on this text and it burned deeply in my heart. It caused me to do some personal questioning. it says Paul says down in the bottom of Mamertine Prison, if you've ever get over to visit that, I've seen pictures, never been over there. There's a hole in the ground. And down in that deep dark hole, this is what he says I'm already, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Hmm. Now, just for the moments that remain, I have just, if you're following along the back of your bulletin, or either on your device. You know, just a short couple of things for us to see. First of all, drink offering, poured out as a drink offering, it's an illustration. Did you realize? It's our illustration. That word for poured out in the Greek is the word spindomai, And it literally means being, watch this, are you watching? It just means being poured out. It goes back to the Old Testament uh, Hebrew word, netchik. Netchik is mentioned more than 60 times in the Old Testament. It finds its roots probably in Genesis 38, certainly Exodus 29 and 30 and Numbers 29 and 30. And the, the illustration, it speaks about this drink offering. If you've not read it, perhaps you want to go read those chapters. But literally staring fate, death in the face. Paul says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Now, what is he talking about? If you've not read those those scriptures, you might want to go back, but I'm going to give you the cliff notes. Teenagers, if you don't know what cliff notes are, you will when you get into college. They would come in and they would prepare a burnt offering. And as the offering burned, or either as the offering began to ember, the priest would take a hen, what some translations call it. It was about a quarter or two. And in the bottle could either be wine or oil. And they would come out, and over that burnt offering... They would pour it out. And when the, when the liquid would hit the fire, you know what happened? That that liquid changed to a, a, a mist. And it would rise. And I believe it's Numbers 28, 29 says, and it was a, an aroma, a pleasing aroma in the nostrils of God. It was a pleasing aroma because it was an aroma of obedience. But let me just say this to you: when they poured it out, they poured it all out. It was unthinkable to keep a part of it for later. This was to the God. This was to our God, and I dare say they even shook it a little bit to make sure there was no residual left. Can I ask you a question? If you were charged with pouring it out, would you keep a little bit for later? Would you keep a little bit for yourself? Or would you pour it all out? It's an illustration. But it also, number two, it's our motivation. It motivates us. How so? This is very simple. It is our connection. Let me just make the connection of our life, the connection with with our life to this illustration. Just as sure, just as sure as the drink offering poured out The the, the liquid was poured out on the offering, on the uh, sacrifice as a drink offering. Just as surely as that pleased God. Paul said, I'm being poured out the same way as that drink offering. And God expects you to pour out for him. You see, it's a parallel of your life. If you can just see it, Paul poured out his entire life on the altar of service. He uses that word poured out in Philippians 2, and he talks about it being service and work and sacrifice. Oops, there's that word again. He's calling us to place our lives on the altar for him. He's calling us... To come and be saved. He has called us beyond being saved. He's he's called us to service. He has given us gifts to be used. But it begins on the altar. Second thing I'd just bring to your attention quickly, the contents of the bottle. I told you it could be wine, which was more prevalent than anything else. It could be the wine. It could be oil. I ask you today, what is in your bottle? Who has filled your bottle? Who has filled your life? Have you opened your life in that surrender that we talked about and let the Holy Spirit come in, let God Himself come in and fill your life so that you can literally pour your life back on to the altar so that it'll be a pleasing aroma in his nostrils. If you've not given your life to Christ, the contents of your bottle is not going to be pleasing to Him. Can you imagine? Instead of having that holy wine and that holy oil in the bottle, can you imagine what would happen if it had gone down and got so quick water or dirty water? What would I happen if they put some sewage in there and pour it out? You say, Brother Jerry, that's drastic. Well, I wonder how many times. I mean, you can read in the Bible and he says, man, your sacrifice, don't even bring it to me because it's not worthy. What is in your life? The connection. The parallel to your life. The contents what's in your life. Now I want to give you the challenge and we're done. The challenge. Paul says, I'm already, being, I'm already being poured out. And some of you will say, well, I poured my life out. Really? Old Maxwell House commercial, good to the last drop. Have you poured out all your life on his altar? Or have you kept back a little bit for yourself? God can have everything I am. except my work. God can have everything I am but my money. God can have everything I am but my family. God can have everything I am but my time. God can have everything I am but... You know, the truth is it would have been unthinkable for the priest not to pour out that bottle. I just want to say this to us. It is unthinkable today to keep anything back from our Heavenly Father. If Jesus died for you, he's now called you to die to yourself and come to him. Yes, he may take some things away from you, but he'll never take anything away without replacing it with something better. And more permanent. Give it all to him. I shall never forget that message that David preached. David, Youth to me, is one of the great communicators of the day. He ended with a story that, that is a message for me and you and everyone you know. Seems he has a young son, and his young son decided he was going to run a marathon. So the little guy trained, and he got ready. And the, you know how it is. You get to that starting line that first day, everything is pumping and going and everything. And as everybody started assembling around the uh, starting line, David said, I looked over there, and there was someone that everybody in our community knew was a very successful marathon runner. And he said, I looked at my boy, and I thought, hmm, that'll help. He said, so I went over to this guy, and I said, look, you're a veteran at this. My little boy is running his first marathon today. And said, would you give him a little word of encouragement? And David said that the marathon runner walked over to his son And he got down on his knee so he could see him eyeball to eyeball. And he said, son, when you get through with this race, if you've got anything left, you have not run a good race. Brothers and sisters, when we get to the end of this life and we stand before the judgment seat, If you have anything left, you have not run a good race. Let's pray together.